0: Hello and welcome to Seeds and Ways, a podcast. I'm the Reverend Dr. Cheryl A. Lindsay, Minister for Worship and Theology for the United Church of Christ. Today, I'm sharing my reflection, the works for January 28th, 2024, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, year B, from the worship series, Arise, based on Psalm 111, in conversation with Deuteronomy, eighteen verses fifteen through twenty. Psalm one hundred eleven reads Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Greater the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him, He is ever mindful of His covenant. He has shown His people the power of His works, giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Deuteronomy 18:15 through 20 reads, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, or who presumes to speak in my name, a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak that prophet shall die." The Works. Please note, material within this reflection uses a Hebrew name for God that is, in the Hebrew tradition, unspoken. In order to honor that tradition, as I read the reflection, I will substitute Holy One for that name. The written reflection on UCC.org will contain the full original quote. The Works. In most books of the Bible, the division into smaller units, usually chapters, was imposed upon the text centuries or even millennia after the works are compiled. They introduced common reference points once the text began to be mass produced. The Psalms, which have divisions rather than chapters, are different. Each Psalm is its own unit to be used, typically sung in communal worship. Their contextual origins are intentionally de-emphasized so that they transcend the moment that inspires their creation psalms take various forms such as psalms of thanksgiving lament wisdom or praise as well as calls to worship and prayers for protection psalm 111 is a psalm of praise in an era of church life when the words praise and worship are used synonymously it's helpful to distinguish between the two worship is directed toward god praise is about god but addressed toward other people hallelujah literally means praise the Lord. It's an exhortation to speak well of God in the assembly or gathering. It's the difference between bragging about your spouse to your friends and telling them directly how much you love them. Both have meaning and reflect admiration, respect and appreciation, yet they're distinct actions. The Psalm of Praise, God is included in the third person. Quote, Psalms 111 and 112 function together to describe the Holy One and the benefits for those who fear Him. Both begin with hallelujah and then follow a 22 line acrostic pattern where each begins with the subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The final verse of Psalm 111 and the first of 112 hinge the Psalms together with wisdom reflection on the fear of the Lord, leading to happy is the one who fears the Lord. Similarly, all those who do them anticipates delighting in his commandments, linking fear of the Holy One to Torah observance. These Psalms portray those who fear the Holy One as mirroring divine attributes, including righteousness, graciousness and mercy, justice uprightness brightness and enduring forever finally, those who fear the Holy One trust in God and reflect divine concern for the poor. These psalms end with the prominent wisdom motif, contrasting the righteous and wicked, though here the desire of the wicked perishes rather than the wicked themselves." Derek W. Sutterman. While these two psalms may be paired as part of a tandem, It's worth noting that the first part of the group focuses attention on the Holy One and their works, which are anthropomorphized. God's works are associated with God's hands, even though God is understood as being spirit, not body. A people accustomed to working with their hands would relate to a divine power, creative actions emanating from the hand. Unlike the voice, another representation of the creative and active God The hand gets closer to creation. The hand touches, feels, moves, and holds. The hand signifies proximity and presence from a God who is still transcendent. The tension between these two seemingly conflicting yet mutually occurring positions are captured within the words of praise. The concluding verses of Psalm 111 transition to invitation to be the people who reverence the awesome nature and works of the Holy One. Quote, this recitation provides the context in which verse 10 makes sense. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Lord is the one who has done all these wondrous deeds for the sake of his people that the Psalm has just recounted. To fear the Lord is the proper response to God's covenant, one of reverent submission and loyalty. The content of the psalm should prevent anyone from feeling that such fear is craven. Rather, the psalm presents this fear as a privilege and a response of gratitude. Further wisdom here is Chokmah. A crucial notion of this term is that of skill, particularly skill in choosing the right path for the desired result. Since the covenantal framework defines what is proper in both the path and the result, we may call this covenantal wisdom skill in the art of godly living. The beginning of the skill is the reverential response to the Holy One, end quote, Jack Collins. Wisdom as a skill becomes something that can be worked. In Psalm 111, the assembled body remembers that God's works are tangible, concrete, and material. Wisdom is not merely an intellectual condition or attribute. It is substantive impact and outcomes. God's intervention action and intervention in human history is not solely spiritual they make a demonstrative and visible difference in the lives of god's people which are all people as verse 6 affirms he has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations The rhetorical function of these liturgical songs is to shape what C.S. Lewis famously called the chest, that is, emotions organized by trained habit into stable sentiments. Of course, those sentiments may be noble or base depending on who does the shaping and for what cause, and this is why the inspiration of the Psalms has mattered so greatly to the people of God. We may call this system of likes and dislikes the effective side of the worldview, one's basic stance toward God, the world and life, held in what the Bible calls the heart. We can further recognize how crucial it is if the people of God are to exhibit in their lives the beauty of God's will." Jack Collins. In the text from Deuteronomy, Moses speaks to the people with assurance and promise that the Holy One will send another prophet to them of the four books that share the Exodus story. Deuteronomy reads most like a valedictory. Moses reflects back on the journey and retells the story found in Exodus. In his role as leader, he served as prophet and priest who followed the direction of the Holy One and led those following him to do the same. As Christians, the temptation is to make that promise about Jesus, yet Moses is clear that the prophet will be like him. It's a reminder that God works through people like Moses, like Joshua, who will succeed him, and like Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Holy One's commitment to using human beings to enact, human, to enact change in human history is amplified that in the most compelling and interventionist act of God in the world, the incarnation, God comes into the world as a human being to bring the restoration and redemption that no other strategic, gracious, and powerful initiative has done. Jesus will later be sent into the world after a long line of faithful and prolific prophets, known and unknown, have given voice to God's perspective in the world. Jesus was not the last prophet, but they were the model one, inviting all to share in the ministry of reconciliation, justice, and love. Like Moses will transition leadership to Joshua, Christ sends the Holy Spirit to form all those who would practice it into the church, the body of Christ, collective eyes, ears, voice, and hands of God at work in the world. That's good news. Arise and shine for the works. Thank you for joining me on Seeds and Ways. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find the full Sermon Seeds entry, including a suggested congregational response, quotes for further reflection, voices of African descent, and the roadmap for the entire season on ucc.org. Sermon Seeds also has a Facebook page where I do Facebook Live process videos in preparation for the reflection and share updates and links for Sermon Seeds and Worship Ways. Follow us there and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. I pray that this tool provides a seed that will bear fruit in your faith community as you proclaim the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.